0: DJ PK, 97.5 at twelve eight of The Zone. Time to talk rivalry game with Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.net. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? We're doing well. So I am curious, your takeaway after the Arizona game Where is BYU better than you thought? Where are they worse than you thought? Where are they exactly who you thought they were?
1: I think everything was uh, pretty consistent across the board, right? I think we all thought that there were going to be some, you know, first-game jitters and experiences that kind of, you know, were good and bad. And um, to say one area is worse than I thought it would be, I think would kind of be a level of disrespect, especially only one game in. But I think – Jaron played how I'd expect in a first game. The receivers played extremely well. I mean, I think across the board, the amount of depth there and, you know, guys kind of coming in and out, right, Uh, everyone made an impact where they needed to uh, all across the board. And so so that was big. Um, I'd say the defense, you know, played extremely well. You can tell there is a lot of speed and, and they're extremely physical. Um, which is which is huge and, and huge going into a game like this week. So uh, it was a, it was a good game all around.
2: You remember when uh, Aaron Roderick first got to BYU? I was talking to him one day after practice, and he's just talking about the talent level on the offense and one of the guys he singled out i remember this specifically was neil Pau, and he said that neil powell was as good as any receiver he had had at a utah and uh, for whatever reason I mean, we haven't seen it to the level that i thought we would see it but we certainly saw it saturday and i believe you were a teammate of his mm-hmm. uh, where do you evaluate his level of talent at
1: yeah i mean neil from the very go, neil's played a lot of football right um he's been around for a minute and so he is a guy who i think originally and the reason we haven't seen it is the same reason that you don't see it from a lot of guys early on is, is that level of confidence and having someone that gives you 100 kind of that belief right um if you don't have a supporting cast like coaches who are going to kind of put their faith in you, right? You you question it. There's the, the confidence barrier. And so early on, there were a lot of things going on, especially with the transition from coaching and things like that. I think Neil knows, and obviously Fess and Aaron have, have trusted him for a while. Um, there were obviously other coaches on the staff who um, I believe inhibited uh, Neil's ability to truly play at 100% confidence. But now that you know, the guys in charge, the guys who have taken the reins have 100% faith in Neil. You're going to see a lot of success come from Neil. And he's truly kind of able to play at the level he's capable of. Neil's one of the most athletic people you'll ever be around. Um, the guy's a phenomenal basketball player. He's an unbelievable football player, right? You saw every facet of the game be played by Neil this weekend, including throwing the ball, right? Yeah. Uh, which is something he prides himself on. Um, deservedly so. And so I think, uh, you know, he's kind of he's kind of kicking the gate wide open, um, and a lot of that has to do with who trusts him and, and where he stands in the offense as kind of the, the leader of the receiver role.
0: I was surprised the tight ends weren't more productive. Do you think there's any explanation for that? Sometimes it's just the way a game goes. There's always the theory that a coach is holding something back for game two, especially when it's a rivalry game. Maybe it's something else.
1: Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, 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 we were having that same conversation in the house this weekend, and, um, you know, between Isaac and and Dallin Holker, you have two, and I think I talked about this last week, right? You have two tight ends that are equipped to be extremely good Division One receivers, right? To play just receiver, but they're also extremely physical, and I think, you know. Um, to say, you know, maybe not showing all of the cards and maybe just ensuring that, hey, let's get these guys in the trenches, let's get them physical. I don't think Isaac has had the load in regards to being in the box and, and blocking um, experience that, uh, you know, he didn't get much of that last year, right? And so, you know, I think maybe just getting everybody warm um, was, was probably a priority and then not having to show as many cards and, and the way that they're going to use them and the ability that they have to use them in the Utah game was, was a big part of it but to be honest with you probably my worst take uh, over the last year since we've been doing this is you know knowing you know giving you a good enough answer on, on why the tight ends weren't utilized um, but those are those are kind of my guesses
2: So Dylan I find what you just said uh, in the prior uh, response fascinating in terms of regard with regard to Neil Pau As far as his ability, plus you need coaches to believe in you. And uh, that opens up the possibility of guys having talent, but coaches not believing in them for whatever reason. What would be reasons to believe or not to believe in players?
1: Yeah, I, I think a big part of that is the way in which coaches express their trust in players. Um, is very different, right? That was something, to be honest with you, that I struggled with in a lot of different areas. There was a lot of questions of insecurity in terms of who was confident in me and who wasn't um, for a long time, right? I think if you look at my career at Hawaii, uh, my freshman year, you know, there was questions of kind of confidence, um, you know, and, and obviously coming off my mission and was I doing what I was expected to be doing And so there was some inconsistent play, right? Especially towards the last half of the season, once coach Chow uh, was let go. And then my sophomore year, um, we brought in Kofensa Hinson, who I've talked about multiple times on here, uh, who's now the receivers coach at Oregon state. And building that trust was huge for me. And he put a lot of confidence into me all the way up until I left it to go to, to come back to BYU. And you saw it in my play throughout my sophomore and junior year and the way I kind of accelerated and grew So, um, with, you know, those types of kind of positive reinforcements and each player is different in the way that they want to be coached, right? I am a perfectionist. Neil is a guy who, you know, is a perfectionist when it comes to playing the receiver position and being the best on the team. And so, you know, Neil's the type of guy that needs that, that uh, affirmation um, in, in the same way that many, many receivers do. And if you're not getting that, or the guy in charge, apparently, right? And the guy in charge apparently isn't giving that. Uh, it's very hard to feel your worth as a receiver um, because you rely on so much. I mean, it's not just like a quarterback or a running back where it's, hey, I don't need to worry about the center to quarterback exchange. I don't need to worry about just getting the ball handed to me. Right? There's so many other facets of playing receiver where you could be the best guy on the team and only getting in a target or two a game, right? Because you rely on so many other facets. And so the least people can do, if you have a phenomenal football player, if you have an extremely good receiver, the ability to really show them on a regular basis, hey, you're playing great, you're doing phenomenal, I know we didn't get the ball to you, right? But I need you to know that we do trust you. Um, and so that's, a, that's an entire conversation that I think wasn't taking place prior um, and now with the guys holding on to the keys, they're doing a, a phenomenal job of that.
0: How much of that comes down to there's someone else that they just trust more and with everything going on, that's where the attention goes. And a quarterback has a relationship with a guy and trusts a guy. And how much of it is the quarterback oh. as opposed to the coach? Well,
1: oh, one no, this is that is 100%. And that's why the key part of that is, you know, these are a lot of the things that take place with a best player, right? Um, You know, or a top three guy in the receiver room. Like those top three guys in the receiver room need to know that they are appreciated. Um, And yeah, a lot of that can do with the receiver or the receiver quarterback. But once again, if you're an extremely good receiver, you know that the quarterback is your best friend. And so there shouldn't be any issues with you and the quarterback. Like that is, that is, Prime relationship 101. There's only two guys you focus on on a daily basis to make sure that they've got all the snacks, treats, <laughs> right, errands run, and that is that is your quarterback and the equipment manager, right? As long as those two guys are taken care of, you're going to be pretty happy.
2: <laughs> so that relationship between quarterback and receiver obviously is very important as you're referring it to. Romney goes down. The Nakua brothers didn't play. Uh, Kalani comes out and says Monday that he – oh, I've actually, I actually think he said it Saturday night down in Vegas. I was there. That, uh, that he expects them to play. But in a sense because – We've already seen the Hall to Pau connection. You think that Neil has a leg up now in establishing the trust of Jaron
1: Hall? And that's literally with the timing, which Neil's been there, right? Neil's been on part of the team longer than Jaron has, and so you know you're always going to have that anchor. That's what makes transferring so difficult. No matter who you are, no matter what relationships you had. I mean, you talk about transferring into a situation that you thought that I thought, right. Uh, was going to be just absolutely, you know, mixing butter. Uh, you know, a lot of those things don't happen because there's other, uh, other aspects. And, you know, um, and so, you know, to say that, uh, Neil, Neil has the upper hand no matter what in that situation.
0: So, scout the Utes. You probably saw some or all of the Weber State game. What is the biggest problem they present to the Cougars?
1: Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, now yeah, we can. yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, sorry sorry about that. That was weird. Uh, sorry, so you said you asked about the, the Utes?
0: Yeah, scout them. What is the biggest problem they present to the Cougars?
1: Uh, their defense. It will always be the defense. Um, I think athletically, on the outside, BYU meets them um, strongly. I think that there isn't a gap there. I think that over the top BYU size, when you look at the receivers, um, and hopefully Samson and, you know, Puka and Neil can all go out there and be a part of it uh, on a more active basis. And I think they measure up very very strongly if not better than the the utah defensive backs um but when we talk about the defensive line and that box with those linebackers um you know i think for 10 years (laughs) there's been very few teams especially in the pac-12 that do it better and so it is going to be a uh it's going to be a tough one you know for that offense to be able to get everything together and make sure they're playing at their top their top level i mean this isn't a this is you're playing this game at 98 percent. you cannot be that two percent you know you can have you're going to have mistakes things aren't going to be perfect but this is a game where you need to be as close to perfect as possible
2: yeah i think that was one thing that the coaches were extremely com- pleased with the jaron hall is there were zero turnovers so you think now that uh, he showed that he can take care of the ball, he made good decisions there, and I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't think there was anything close that was a possible interception that went off a hand or whatnot. It looked like uh, either it was to his guy or it was on the turf. Uh, with that in mind, how much more aggressive do you think that BYU's offensive philosophy will be, knowing that there's a level of trust that Jaron can take care of the ball?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's you're going to see a lot of it. And that's the big, you know, Jaron isn't uh, scared. Jaron isn't afraid. I don't think A-Rod is scared or afraid. I think what you have is a very, very thought-provoking quarterback, right, who is going to do his best to make the right decision. Um, and when you have that and you know You know, the first, the the biggest part of trust when it comes to selecting a quarterback is are you going to put us in positions to win or are you going to put us in positions to lose with your choices? Um, Not your talent, not your ability, right? But when you have choices, what are you going to do with those? And Jaron will always be a guy who puts you in the best position to win with his decisions. Um, He's cool-minded, right? He's extremely athletic. You can trust his legs just like you saw on Saturday. And so I think they can really they can really open it up. Um, you know, they can they can really open up the entire offensive playbook. I mean, the rest of the season, do you really have anything that you are kind of right or dying on? Right? Yes, you have a ton of big games and you have a ton of big opportunities to go in and to win power five conference games and show that you deserve to be in a power five conference but this game is this game's it right and so yeah i'm i'm willing to say hey let's go in here at 110 percent and uh make sure we can get this one under our under you know under our belt and we'll go in knowing that we can compete with anybody the rest of the season
0: so does so. this does the streak end here
1: I believe so. I think it's going to be an extremely tough game, and it's going to come down. It's going to be, chances are, a last-second last hoorah, but um, I firmly believe that that this streak ends here.
2: All right. That's what I want to hear, brother. <laughs> now, there's a lot of
1: prayer and a lot of faith going into that and potentially some fasting, but I firmly believe that. <laughs>
2: Well, what's interesting now is you're an alumni. You're not that far removed, but you are an alum of BYU, and obviously the Kali family. You know, it's sort of kind of sort of right there with Kafusi's in terms of uh, the connection mm-hmm. to BYU that runs very, very deep, going back many, many years. And so, as an alum now, from a different perspective, how much does this streak bother you?
1: Oh, it's bothered me since day one. Right? Um, I am not a uh like, I'm, I'm a big BYU fan, right? I, I have been for a very long time. Um, you know, there are, uh, there are very, very few, you know, I'm not like a diehard of anybody or anything, um, but and I try not to let sports get a, a huge portion of my thought process and feelings and emotions now. Um, this will always be something that bothers me uh, until it's broken. And once it's broken, then I will be able to rest easy. And whatever happens after that, if Utah goes on another five-year streak, if they go on another you know, eight-year streak, it's one thing. But we need to break this one because I think this is where this is a wall that's been standing in front of BYU for a very long time. And I think it's more critical than, than people think, uh, especially for the mental confidence of a football team and a program and, and where the future lies. Um, this is, it's a big one. And I think if BYU wins this game, right, you'll start to see that respect put back on BYU's name when it comes to the Utah BYU rival, because the, uh, the nonsense of, you know, who's Utah's rival, um, (laughs) uh, you know, and, and trying to think of all the, Oh, Colorado and USC and, you know that's that's all wrong and that's all fake and I think when it comes down to it, everybody knows BYU is, is Utah's biggest rival and vice versa. And the only way to really crush all of that narrative is is to end the streak this weekend.
0: Dylan, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week and uh, listen to the station for the next day or two, and you'll hear yourself over and over because uh, we've been notified you've already made the promo for today, regardless of whatever else happens in the show. <laughs> Done. That's my goal every week. <laughs> Make the promo. All right, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, Dylan. All right, yep. Have a good day. Dylan Coley, former BYU wide receiver. The Collies. You love
2: them, PK. Well, everybody does, but yeah, I do, especially. We've always spoken their mind. I appreciate that. Absolutely appreciate it, 100%. 100%, man. And then when you combine uh, uh, the the high level talent with a guy who's willing to speak his mind like Austin you got yourself a media dream right there (laughs) and Dylan he's right there I I think he sounds like Austin and you know he wasn't 6'2 like his brother was but I thought he had obviously had some talent he showed it in the bowl game there but I appreciate his ability to speak his heart and do it in a manner that is uh, has authority behind it and is representative of what he believes in whether you disagree with him or not that's up to you but the way he says it he says it in such a concise manner that you have to respect it